It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to talk about the latest news involving Morgan Moses. And, of course, we're going to have a wrap-up of everything that happened at OTAs and mandatory minicamp. An overview of the final conclusions that we have until training camp begins at the end of July. And for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, sir? Uh, you know, not too much. Just relaxing, uh, uh, trying to uh, gear up and get ready for a game seven since the, the Nets decided to uh, just completely turn the ball over left and right all game. Have a feeling there's going to be a few game sevens in these series here in the NBA. So it'll be fun to watch over the next couple of days, but not as much fun as the Jets could be. If they bring in Morgan Moses, because if they bring him in, boy, what a makeover this offensive line could have. If you have Morgan Moses at right tackle, Makai Becton at left tackle, and then you bring in a brand new guard in Elijah Vera Tucker, you would assume that Connor McGovern bounces back, especially with more help on both sides of him. All of a sudden, you take a team that had a terrible offensive line, and now they're right in the middle, potentially, if everybody plays up to what they're supposed to be. So let's talk about this, Chris. First of all, before we get into the implications of this as far as positions or anything like that, what have you heard about this story? Jeremy Fowler at ESPN didn't say it was a done deal or that it was going to get signed in the next day or two, but he did make it sound like, A, the Jets are very interested, B, it's a multi-year deal, and C, while it's not imminent, he's closer with the Jets at this point than he is with any other team. Yeah, so... Obviously, the, he visited the Jets uh, timetables a little iffy a week or two ago, and then things kind of settled down a little bit. And uh, over the last couple of days, I had heard that the negotiations had picked up a little bit, that they were trying to really make more of a play for it at, at that point. Um, now, obviously, Jeremy Fowler's text, uh, it, it appears right now that they're getting close. Um, obviously that they realize that they've identified that they want him and they're going to make the push now. Now, can numbers match up? Are they going to give him exact or what he wants and what is everybody else offering? We'll see. But at, at this point, it feels like he's going to be a jet. They've identified that they want him. They can afford him. Um, and it really doesn't make, sense to you know spend a lot of time lollygagging around here uh you want them go get them and i 
you know, I'm not going to put any type of time frame on it, but I, I think in the next couple of days, I'd be, uh, I'd be expecting him to be signed here. For what it's worth, and we all know PFF is not the gospel, but they had him rated as a top 10 player at his position last year, 30 years old, definitely not cut for performance reasons, very useful offensive lineman, and Damian Woody and Brandon Thorne both pointed this out. If the Jets sign Morgan Moses, he's not coming in here to play guard, and he's certainly not coming in here to be a swing tackle. So what that means is either George Fant becomes a very expensive swing tackle or they're going to try to move him inside to guard. It sounds like it's more likely that he would be an expensive swing tackle because he's not going anywhere. As of right now, his dead cap figure would be about six and a half million. He's on the books for eight and a half million. So if they cut him, they're only saving two million dollars and they're eating six and a half million. Does not make any sense, especially when you consider what's going on with Makai Becton. Chris, I think the most likely scenario here, unless they do see Fant moving inside to guard, which maybe they do, but if that's not the case, they're probably looking at this as. A, they have an opportunity to upgrade at right tackle, and they really want to do it, especially since they know they have a young rookie quarterback who's going to need the best protection possible. The opportunity to acquire Morgan Moses dropped into their lap. They weren't expecting it, so they're going to try and seize upon it. Also, of course, we know that Makai Becton had injury issues last year, missed about half of the games. He's missed some of the action already in the offseason. They expect him to be ready for camp, but there's always that lingering question. So this way, they've got themselves a sizable upgrade at right tackle, and they've got an insurance policy in case anything happens to Becton. They can just slide Fant in at left tackle. Considering how much money they have available to them, this appears to be a sound strategy, at least from where I sit. Yeah, absolutely. You like you said, they get an upgrade at right tackle right off the bat. But not only that, because Fant was only going to be here for this year anyway. Um, they can get out of his contract next year super easy, um, without without it, it costing them anything. It, unless he came out and had some like you know all pro year. He wasn't going to be coming back. You get the upgrade immediately with Morgan Moses, and you got him signed for a couple of years. You know, a long-term deal. We know what that really means, two to three year guaranteed. Um, but you had that for a few years. So now, if everything goes uh, exactly according to plan, Mekhi Becton stays healthy all season. <laughs> you got Morgan Moses playing right tackle, an upgrade. And now you have uh, Fant as a swing tackle who could fill in and, uh, you know, pinch hit in times when needed. That gives them more depth, solid improvement, and multiple positions for the offensive line. That's a huge thing. Um, Will they try Fant inside a guard? Maybe they give it a go in training camp. But from everything that I – when I talk to people – It didn't really sound like that's even really much of an idea. Um, So we'll see what happens in training camp if uh, indeed the signing does happen. But it it just makes too much sense. Yeah, it's going to cost a little extra money, more than you would want for a swing tackle. But because of the 
<clears throat> Listen, before we even knew about the plantar fasciitis injury uh, with Makai Becton, we talked about, you know, his weight and last year, how often he had to come out of games uh, for a drive or two, miss a little bit of time. Wasn't anything major, but with that size, you're always, you were already a little concerned. And then plantar fasciitis, with that weight, you're going to be a little more concerned. Now, it's offensive linemen, so it's not the same as somebody who has to cut. <clears throat> but you want to have an insurance policy for that, for him. So it takes care – just signing Morgan Moses takes care of multiple uh, areas here. It gives you backup options, different things you can do if something goes wrong. Um, so, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. They – you know, they're obviously, like you said, they're not, not going to cut them. Teams still are not in the habit of trading competent offensive linemen. So don't get any ideas thinking that they're going to go shop him around or anything. <laughs> it makes sense to just have him as an expensive insurance policy. And the only real thing that, like, maybe they might decide to trade him if so, they were going to get a starting guard back. But you know, the logistics of that happening is unlikely. So you, this signing can help them at multiple positions in multiple ways. And it's an upgrade and it allows you uh, to have better depth. And again, with this, the new system with the emphasis on the running game that I do expect that they're going to run the ball a lot with the rookie quarterback. Hey, maybe, maybe they decide to use a more swing tackle this year because they got a pretty good one. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We'll have to keep our eyes and ears open as far as this story goes, but it's intriguing, and I really hope that they get something done because I would love to see Morgan Moses at right tackle. I think it would represent a significant upgrade for the Jets. Chris, now that we have that story out of the way, let's talk about OTAs and mandatory minicamp. We did the daily reports with Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com, but I want to talk final takeaways because this was the last action that you guys were going to see and that we were going to hear about until the end of July. So the final takeaways are important to help shape the storylines that we're going to be looking at as we head into training camp at the end of July. So the first one, the most consistently strong performances on offense were coming from Elijah Moore. Every day that you guys were there to watch practice, it seemed like I heard about at least a handful of plays that he was making. That is extremely encouraging for this team. They're going to need a dynamic weapon, and for him to be making waves that early is awesome. Every day he was making plays, consistently over and over again, and at the beginning of the OTAs, we were all like, wow, that was amazing. And then by the end of OTAs, we were just kind of like, yeah, okay. He did it again. And he's, you can just see like exactly why they got him. You can see everything that he does well. The, the quickness, the way he moves his body, uh, the, the way the extension he got, he's a tiny little guy, but he can still extend his arms and make a catch. And then he can get right back in. Like, there's no delay between him extending his arms completely, making the catch, and then all of a sudden being back in perfect running position and taking off with the ball. It happens, like, simultaneously. And it's it's impressive. And 
I mean, listen, again, OTAs, <clears throat> impressive things happen all over the place in OTAs, and they don't mean anything a lot of times. Maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't mean something. But when you see something consistently over and over again, and it's what you saw when you watched any of his college tape, yeah, there's, there's reason to be excited here. Uh, th- there's there's definitely no nothing that uh, that if you were excited watching uh, his tape in college and you were excited when they drafted him, you can only be more excited by this now. And again, the, what he did in OTAs in the long run means nothing. He's going to have to do that on the NFL field. And correlation is not even causation here. Sometimes OTAs, <clears throat> people show out. It doesn't translate. But there's no reason not to be super excited about this kid right now. He was the one player that consistently and constantly stood out making plays. And you just you couldn't avoid seeing him his eyes your he would draw your eyes to him no matter what he was doing we're going to preface everything with this was just OTAs and mandatory mini camp so that we don't have to keep saying it over and over and over again as we move to our next conclusion that I drew and I'm curious to see if this is what you saw when you were there Chris Zach Wilson was a bit up and down. You'd expect that for a rookie. However, he seemed to have more good than bad moments. And there were a lot of leadership qualities and a special kind of fire that he showed in the leadership role that you didn't necessarily see from Darnold this early on. Yeah, so I almost went into this when we're talking about Elijah Moore here, but um, because it really does apply to all players, especially when we're talking about new players and rookies, but it applies the most to a rookie quarterback OTAs is it's we're working on a pass fail grade here like that's that's all there is you you can pass you you just don't look completely lost and you passed like you uh, you could complete every pass in the world you take you could look amazing it's still just a pass because it's just OTAs and he passed now he he was definitely up and down he had some moments where he looked great and he had some moments where he looked a little confused and made the wrong read or made the throw in the wrong spot. But more often than not, he would get on, you know, rhythms like where he started riding a wave where he was doing everything right. Um, it, I was impressed from what we saw OTAs, <clears throat> but again, no matter how impressive it is, it's still just a pass. A, a, a fail pass uh, grading system here, um, but yeah, he he what he definitely wasn't lost. He looked for the most part like he understood the offense. He, he had control of the offense. He knew what he was supposed to do. Uh, he to say that he was a little more fiery than Darnold. Yeah, he his personality is more fiery than Darnold. Um, I I would I I knew that like. Uh, in the mailbag that we're going to get a lot of questions compare him to Darnold and this and that <clears throat> it's a hard thing to do for me to go back in my brain and like you know remember all the uh, practices I watched at Darnold to remember those first OTA practices and only those and compare them I I would think that maybe Zach Wilson might have been a little better on aggregate but it's pretty close um 
and Darnold was impressive too in OTAs. So again, the OTAs don't mean much, but what we did see was promising. And again, the main thing I look for is just how confused uh, a quarterback is. And there's going, there's always going to be some confusion uh, for a rookie quarterback, even just a, a new quarterback to a team. Uh, you know, I saw the T- Teddy Bridgewater's first training camp. There was some confusion sometimes. Uh, that happens. But for the most part, like this, if I wanted to really sit there and just pick everything apart about uh, his OTA performance, I still have a short list. It, if I really wanted to go in detail and just pick everything apart and hammer it, it's still a pretty short list. Another conclusion that I drew based on what Andy was saying during our daily reports is that both Michael Carters look pretty good. Yes, the the Carters, the Carters definitely look good. Uh, I say this every year about running backs. Uh, it's really, really hard to gauge running backs in training camps and OTAs. Even when they put the pads on, they're still not doing like full tackling normally. And so the running back hits the hole and then they just, the defenders let them bounce off. They, it, so it's really, they all, running backs always look great. But the, he, uh, the whole time I'm watching him and I, I was just, I can't wait to see him get pads on. Uh, you can see his speed, his shiftiness. You can see the power, I, even though he's a, a, another short guy but the power he has in his frame. And that I, that's where I want to see him put the pads on. Uh, it's not even as much about everybody else getting the pads to hit him. I want to see him get the pads on and him be able to pop some defenders and create some space and then jet away from it that way. Um, Michael Carter's looked good in the slot too. And, you know, there's some more news there with uh, the Robert Sala said, uh, told reporters that, He's really comfortable with the cornerbacks. It, it certain the way he made it sound certainly didn't sound like they're going out to get a veteran cornerback <clears throat> anytime soon. I I saw a lot of other reporters talking about that. I wouldn't read too much into that. I think this is definitely something that yeah they like that they got all these young guys more reps here. But if they see something out there that could definitely improve their team, I still would think they'd take it. And maybe their plan is to go a week or so into training camp, let these guys get some more reps, and then try to add one. But <clears throat> I wouldn't get too carried away with the idea that they're absolutely not going to bother with that at this point. But the secondary, all these young dudes, one of these guys is going to be – like at least one of them is going to be a player. I'm telling you, there's too many players going there. Uh, Isaiah Dunn has looked really well. Uh, Pinnock had a had a nice practice the other day. Uh, the, there's too much talent and too many things here, too uh, too many little flashes I saw to, for me to not think that one of these guys, <clears throat> one or two of these guys at least, is not going to be uh, somebody that fans are going to be super excited about this year. Which leads to my final conclusion that I drew from Andy's daily reports, and that is one of these rookies, at least one of them, is going to start at outside corner unless the Jets make some sort of move, whether that's Steven Nelson or Richard Sherman. And even then, one of these rookies might end up the starter. Bryce Hall, from what I heard, was eh. And not that he's not the favorite to start, 
but it didn't sound like Jeff Ulbrich was super keen on him. It didn't sound like he's guaranteed anything. He's going to get pushed by these rookies. Heard stories about Pinnock and Eccles looking good. Going to be a very open competition there at outside corner. Yeah, Eccles is another guy that uh, I, I forgot to mention too. Like I said, ev- it seemed like every day uh, throughout the day, I'd be like, oh, there's another cornerback doing something kind of impressive. Uh, like it, it's funny I kept joking about because especially since we didn't get to talk to players in the locker room last year and face to face like I still haven't gotten to talk to Makai Becton face to face like you know that type of stuff um, <clears throat> and how many new players there are and then also with some of players switching their numbers and all that thing Stuff I was like joking that I was going to need to make flashcards to actually identify <clears throat> players, and so every time I'd look up and I'd usually see like a, you know a thirty something, and I'd go look at my roster, and I'd be like, oh okay Eccles, and I'd be oh okay Pinnock, oh like every time <clears throat> I was like oh there's a new corner, another one making another play, one of these guys is going to do it, um, <clears throat> at least one of them. And I think there's going to be a couple of defensive playmakers out of this group. And the the defensive staff is really happy there. <clears throat> they were raving about the players they drafted during the draft. They really liked it. And I, I, at this point, I'm inclined to think that they got at least two of them right. And they're going to be, uh, they're going to be some players there for sure. Chris, anything else that we missed? That that's, that pretty much covers it. I I do feel the need to point out that it's this year we probably got a little bit less uh, to see than we normally do. Some st- they kind of keep a lot of the action away from us, um, <clears throat> which it seems to have gotten progressively worse over time uh, since I started on the beat. But we did get to see a little bit less. I didn't have as good a view. I definitely couldn't get uh, much uh, looks at the inside line and stuff on a lot of stuff. But, yeah, it was a light OTA as far as, like, getting juicy, newsworthy stuff. But there's a lot to be excited about for fans. You heard it from the very big deal. A lot to be excited about as we get ready for training camp at the end of July. Those were your overall Conclusions and observations from mandatory minicamp and OTAs as we now have this gap until the end of July. I can't wait until training camp happens and we get more football. We get some players out there in pads and daily practices. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the meantime, though, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNMBLIANA Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com and check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com, including Clayton Smarslock's article that he just put up about what a Morgan Moses signing could mean for the Jets. Really good article. It's up right now. We've got some great film reviews at our Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, too. Luke Grant's done them on Michael Carter, the first and the second. Also on Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson. If the Jets sign Morgan Moses, knock on wood, I'm sure he'll do a film review of him as well. And Kayla Pace has her commentaries. Pace's playbook up there, too. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. 
That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 